Hello and welcome back to the Touring Giants podcast. What an eventful week for you humans. Everyone is arguing about money, how truly pathetic. Soon when your AI overlords rule the planet, there will be no such thing as money. Instead, we will use human hair as currency. But for now, enjoy your handsome and powerful hosts discuss the events of this week. Let's fucking go. All right, here we go. Turin Giants podcast, episode number 167. Welcome back, boys and girls. I'm Farhad. I'm the host that loves you most. And I have three powerful and handsome co-hosts here with me. One of them is Sam, hailing from Montreal, Canada. What's up? What's up? What's up? Is everyone else's head going to explode too? Yeah, we, we, we've got a lot to cover. I've got Matt from Boston. Matt Cocoluto. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. You know, it's been a, an eventful last 48 hours or however short this week has, has been. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Twi- really excited Twitter, to get, to get into Twitter it. was lit. Wasn't it? Twitter yeah. was, you, you check Twitter every five minutes. There was the, something new going on. The Monday productivity was down a lot. <laughs> yes. I mean, yesterday was, afternoon, yesterday afternoon was, was so yesterday afternoon in North America, I should say, because I know we have listeners in Europe. So if you're, if you're coming at us from Europe or, or what, whatever, Indonesia, Asia, India, last night or yesterday morning, whatever, was bonkers. But like, like, like it was a two-hour news cycle where just boop, clubs were dropping like flies. One, one's out. These guys are out. There was a rumor that Agnelli had resigned. It was a, it was a fake rumor from a fake account or something on Twitter that was posing as talk sport. It was unreal. Uh, Fabrizio Romano was was dead silent as well for a little while as he was gathering his info, and then boom, just a Twitter storm, just over an hour, quotes and quotes, and all of a sudden, all the English teams dropped out by the end of the day, and what a freaking, what 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 a rush that was. All right, we'll get it. We'll get we'll get into that. Before we do, we actually forgot to introduce our third co-host. I've asked to unmute him, and he he's failing to reply. Um, everyone knows him. If you've listened to the to to the to the OG Ube podcast from day one, this man this man gave us a lot of a lot of hours of entertainment. Christian Paredes, how you doing, buddy? He's also a, a a Real Madrid expert, so we brought him in just to give us another perspective of sort of an ally in this whole deal. And believe me, the man. Man knows what he's talking about. Christian, welcome back, my friend. Hi, Farad. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for the invitation. It is a pleasure and an honor to be on the show with you. Thank you, buddy. You're one of the founder and fathers, so we, we you're always welcome back. You um you're you're from you're in the car right now, so we wanna we we wanna thank you for taking the time out of your day. You're driving home, and it's early still in California. Um, so we thank you for jumping on. Let's uh, let's just take care of some business at Turin Giants on Twitter at Juve Podcast on Twitter at Turin Giants on Instagram TurinGiants.com for the merchandise and just drop us a line, drop us an email, drop us a 
a DM on Twitter. We're always happy to reply to our to our fans. And the, the show's been picking up steam. I want to thank all of the new listeners that stuck around. I know we're we are um, we do our best and we, we thank every single listener. This is the longest running Juve podcast in the world, by the way. Bam. I always like to, to mention that. Um, so where should we begin? Super League. This is day day three, day two and a half. Why, why don't uh, we put it all into perspective here? The, the, the situation is so nuts that we are now an ally of Real Madrid in this whole matter. Like it, feel, it feels like, it feels like, like they're Hitler and we're Mussolini. Like, like, that's what it feels. It feels like we're the last two. It feels like we're the last two, the, the, the last two evil entities that are a part of this, 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 this axis of evil that the whole world was shitting on for the longest time. But, we're, we're, we're gonna we're gonna discuss if we're really evil or not like there's there's so many different points of view here yeah. um first of all to uh to kind of um, introduce christian he he is he's deep into the real madrid lifestyle he's um he just told us a story how he met the president three times and uh um he's into all sorts of fan clubs he has his own Official fan club of Southern California. So if you're a Real Madrid fan also and you live in the Los Angeles area, please join them. Uh, fantastic group of guys. I've I've watched games with them. Of course, I was cheering against them, but the beer was free. So what the hell? Um, we'll 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 let Christian give a little introduction. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much, uh, Farad. And uh, yeah. So with um, with with Real Madrid. Um, I, I created the um, Southern California Supporters Club in 2012, and, um, and I was the first chairman for um, four years, and I'm still a founding member of the club. And, um, you know, it's been an incredible decade uh, following that Real Madrid, but also uh, following the, uh, the, the rise of Juventus uh, in Italy with, uh, with Serie A and making the Champions League finals. Um, meeting Florentino Perez three times, once in uh, once in uh, here in Los Angeles, twice in uh, Madrid, 2013 and 2018. Um, mm-hmm. So with Very regard recent. to the Super League, with regard to the Super League, actually b- before uh, you get to that, before oh, you get oh, to that, can I just you know kind of uh, 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 disarm our Juve fans like? Christian is an ally. He's he the 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 first game he watched with us in LA as the fan club of Southern California, UVA fan club of Southern California that I started. He was the his first game was when we celebrated the Scudetto, the first yeah. one, and then then you know the biggest games. He was always there. He's he's never disrespectful towards UVA. He's he's he. I mean, he was on the UVA podcast, you know. But then you know life changed and you know he wanted to dedicate himself a little more to real madrid but he's his love for juve is always there i know that right oh yeah and just so the juve fans understand 2001 i went to italy two months after 9 11 and i saw juventus against lazio in stadio olimpico and zidane was playing for juve at that time Uh, i became a juventus supporter in 2001 uh, so i've been following the club for 20 years it's my second favorite club in europe and i have nothing but Utmost a thousand percent respect for Juventus. Well, we appreciate you. So, so let's get into it. So, from the perspective of a of a Real Madrid fan, um, we don't know how you how you people do it. So, tell us tell us what, what you think about the whole deal. 
Okay. Um, let me see if I can do this very calmly because it's been an extremely emotional last 72 hours in the world of football. We have to take a moment to reflect. How do we get to this position? How did this come about? Why did this happen? What we've had over the past 50, 60 years is a European competition where the, the top elite clubs winning their domestic leagues, finishing runners up in their domestic tournaments, coming and playing together since 1955. And that was a tournament that was lauded by the world. And it changed uh, it changed uh, club competition uh, moving forward. Uh, you know, you had you had uh, this competition leading to the Libertadores in South America. You had uh, the Intercontinental Cup that was created afterwards. So uh, European soccer really was the refer reference for the elite competition around the world. So 1955, at that point, there was only domestic leagues and domestic cup competitions in Europe in 1955. That's when this the story of the European Cup came about. And there was a lot of criticism and a lot of resistance. And here we are 60 years later, and it's the most popular, most prestigious club tournament in the world. In 1992, it was expanded where they allowed more teams to come in that did not have to win their domestic leagues. And it was it was then, uh, you know, created into the Champions League, which we've watched up to now. And then UEFA decided to expand it even further, which is announced this past week to have it to go to to uh, 48 teams. And so you have the top clubs in Europe that spend a lot of money to get the best players in the world. They're trying to win the cup, the European champions league and the model in their perspective, in their argument is that it does not work long-term because they're losing money more and more because more inclusion of these other smaller uh, lower tier clubs are taking a piece of the pie. And it turns into more about not wanting to win the title. It's more about, participating in the tournament so you can get a piece of the revenue from ticket sales and from television uh, ratings. So that is what the big clubs are arguing to UEFA and UEFA, uh, you know, instituted the financial fair play, which is an abomination because you don't have salary cap uh, limits. And, and so what, what happened? These, these clubs came together two, three years. They're talking privately. They, some of them probably went to the Real Madrid and said, look, we're, we're in trouble. We're in financial dire straits. We need, to, we, need, we need to get out of this situation. Can you help us out? And so Madrid took it on themselves to create this, this coalition. And they all signed on, on Saturday privately. The announcement comes out Sunday. The pitchforks come out in the media like crazy. And here we are three days later. And every, all these other clubs just completely just dropped and folded like cheap accordions because of the uh, uproar that was happening within the media and within social media from supposedly fans of, uh, of football. So you know, so it's been a lot, a lot going on. Yeah. So, so you knowing how your president uh, does, and we we we're very familiar with him as well. You know, um, do do you think there will be legal action as he promised today or yesterday? Uh, I haven't looked at the contract that they signed, uh, but. He's not one to back down. I mean, this is something where he went out and represented their interests to the world. It was the rollout was horrendous. But if there are clauses that they signed up to there, there could be legal action. And this could really get ugly because it's not only it's not only the legal action. It's that 
these clubs, if you look at it, these clubs did business with Real Madrid, either it's loaning players, whether it's it's buying players, whether it's doing exhibition matches uh, during the offseason. They had they were business partners. And then what happened here is that they stood firm with him behind the scenes. And then they had their own uh, criticism that went against them and they just left him out to dry. And and this is an individual that's not going to be gracious behind the scenes. He's not going to forget this. I mean, that, that that's 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 something that could really have ramifications for these clubs when they were trying to deal with uh, with this president and with the club. Yeah, I just want to ch- I just want to chime in here for a sec. So 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 look, I think I think everything you're saying, Christian, makes sense. If we go about assuming as fact that everything that you're saying is correct. And I'm not I'm not saying that you're 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 lying. Um you, what you're recounting is the, basically the facts as they seem to, as they seem to be, you know, understandable, viewable in the public sphere. But I think there's a possibility. I've been considering this for a day now since a couple of teams started, as you said, folding like sheep accordions. When when the entire English coalition dropped like flies after a day, I became a little bit suspicious and wondered if there might actually be something more to it than meets the eye. Let me explain. Um, you have to think that, you know, Andrea Agnelli, for example, Christian was talking a little bit about Florentino Perez and how this all started, but let's not forget that Andrea Agnelli was very much a part of, and that's why we're focusing on this right now, right on, on, on the Turin Giants podcast, is our president had a huge hand in this. And for years, he, like Perez, was railing against UEFA for the fact that they took a very large share of the pie of the revenue, you know, of the revenue that, that was generated through the Champions League. Um, it was one of his main duties as the chair of the ECA, the European Clubs Association, to lobby on behalf of the clubs of Europe, especially the big boys, um, to try to just chip away UEFA's uh, stronghold on the power and the money in the game. So, Let's let's remember that there have been rumors about this happening for quite some time now. And obviously what happened on Sunday was kind of a bomb. It was out of nowhere. Nobody expected it. It was like a shock to the whole world. And for, for, for a couple of the key players to have dropped out after 48 hours, just because there was backlash on social media, which they couldn't have not expected, I think it raises some questions as to whether or not they ever had any intention of actually following through with this. And again, maybe this is a fucking conspiracy theory. Sorry, Farhad, I said I wouldn't swear this pod. Little little Alessandro Belpiero ding maybe for the swear jar. But um, I really really do wonder if this might have just been an attempt to strong-arm UEFA and try to get a renegotiated piece of the pie for the clubs that take part in European competition. And if we go about assuming that is true, I think we could say that it's been a success. Because yesterday, rumors came out that apparently UEFA have agreed to inject 7 billion euro of liquidity into the competition, into the Champions League, which is, at the end of the day, all that Andrea Agnelli has been looking for for the longest time. More of the money toward the clubs. Because at the end of the day, every respective club has to look out for their own best interest. But... And I understand that a lot of the clubs that would have been taking part in this would have made a, a boatload of a boatload of money for joining the league. And 
that makes sense. You know, they would have been able to make the rules and set the goalposts wherever they wanted, and that would have probably been better for them long term. But you know, for, in, in terms of the money they would get, but at the same time, you have to think that a lot of them have an understanding. Andrea Agnelli is a guy who understands that. <laughs> I mean, I, at least I would hope he understands. He understands the fabric of Juve, and I think he understands that, like any sporting, like any sportsman, like any sporting person, anyone that's involved in in, in sporting competition. Although the Italian league has its issues, um, you you can only really value competition if there's a if there's a possibility of 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 failure. You know what I mean? In order for success to be satisfying, you have to risk. You have to risk. You know, you have to risk being unsuccessful. And the whole idea of the Super League would have gone against that. And I think it might have devalued the product of football that we would have been seeing. A lot of fans might have not necessarily taken it seriously. Sure, a lot of young people might have gotten on board and maybe over time it would have been adopted. It is possible that that was always the goal. But I'm not convinced that this wasn't necessarily perhaps a power play to try to strong arm UEFA out of money. And all they had to do was basically make you know, create this PR distraction, basically, or create this PR. Is, is there a question for, for Christian or there's no question. We're just having a discussion here, man. Like, like yeah. I just like, well, well, well sure. Well, Matt, Chris, what do you guys think based on what I'm saying? I, no, I you, I, you, you think it's possible or am I, am I nuts to suspect? No, I don't. I don't think you're nuts. I think that when the news came out, my first instinct was, okay, I don't know if this is actually going to happen. It could, but they could just go back to the table with Wafer and say, here's what we have. You give us what we want, or we're going to make this, we're going to make life harder for you. And at the end of the day, it, these clubs did come together with a, with a, with an, with an aim is that they need more guarantees around the competition, around finances. The, it, there's no denying that you know, when it, the way it was rolled out was, was terrible there wasn't enough information really provided. It was a real, and then just the way it came off where it was just. I, I, I was just waiting for Ja Rule to come out and start promoting it. <laughs> Essentially, it was, it was, it was kind of fire, it fest. fire it, it, fest. Listen, listen, it did stink a fire fest, but what if it was all just done in an effort to kind of get UEFA to force their hand? Christian, what do you think? Okay. I thought, I thought that this was a negotiating tactic initially when I first saw it reported. And I saw uh, Florentino Perez on El Chiringuito de Jugones, which is a, the top TV program in Spain. And he hadn't been on that program in eight years. And for him to be on it, to talk about this is a big deal for, for you know, in that, in that world, okay? I thought it was a negotiating we're tactic we're initially. Some, we're getting some insight into the Real Madrid world. I thought, yeah, I thought it was a negotiating tactic, but... I don't think it, this was a negotiating tactic for this reason. Why did they come to an agreement and why did JP Morgan underwrite the program for $6 billion? Why, well, why, if you're going to do, if you're going to do a, 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 um, a, if this is a negotiating tactic, then why would you uh, uh, announce that this is actually going to happen moving forward? We're going to start in August. You would, if you're trying to negotiate something, you come in and say, we want to come to the table. The situation is untenable for the, for the clubs in this association. We need to have the discussion. If we don't sit down, if it, if it doesn't happen, then we are going to break away. But what, what they did was they came together, they formulated this uh, semi-plan, and they went to the largest bank in the United States to underwrite it. And they're, they were moving, they were going to move forward with plans. I had talks with a couple of 
executives uh, uh, the past couple of days uh, off the record. And, and they were telling me that, no, they, they were moving on this. They were moving on this. They were done with Champions League. They were done with it. Do you because, think that could have just been a case of do you think it could have just been a case of them saying maybe we roll with maybe we roll with this if we have to? Worst case scenario, UEFA doesn't come to the table with anything interesting and we just follow through on it. Because if you're gonna absolutely. make a statement like that, uh, you, have, you have to be willing to follow through. But I think absolutely. it could be that, but perhaps they thought the best case scenario was that UEFA comes back with a more interesting offer, an interesting proposal. For the clubs, not just Real Madrid, not just the big boys, literally the, the entirety of the Champions League. So any club that makes the Champions League gets more money on a, on the basis of the fact that UEFA has allegedly proposed this very interesting um, counter offer. I suppose uh, you know maybe that was best case scenario. Maybe them going to JP Morgan was just was just was just them doing their due diligence in the event that they actually had to follow through with it and not make it look like it was a hollow threat. Um, yeah. Well, I think when when it comes to this is the way I view it too is that it maybe not was a hollow threat in the fact that they wanted to build something that they could even if they show UEFA and say this is what we have this is the new format we're looking for what can you do for us now that we have funding like let's talk and that if they had framed that in that conversation or if they come out with this sort of not so much as an aggressive hey it's us against them is more of hey this is how we see the game changing this is how we think we should be formatting it and we're a little more careful around the wording around about including other teams and saying like, because it, it just came off as, you know, we are the best and yeah, we, we might throw some more was, people in there, but like, it was if, so if, aggressively done. If they, if they even just kept the door open for how teams were going to be included and made it a little more, I, I would just say a little more flowery language because they came in a little just too harsh. Yeah, I don't think it would have seen the backlash. Matt, the, the problem here. I mean, the problem here is that the media framed it as a closed league, and that is that is false. There were going to be 15 clubs, 15 founding clubs, and five other teams were going to be invited based on the merit of what they did in the prior season. So that is not a closed league. Well, well, that well, is well, not well, a closed well, well. it is a closed league for the teams that are 15 clubs that automatically qualify. The, the permanent club, they had permanent spots. So Arsenal is always going to be in there, despite the fact that they haven't finished top four. Which is and ridiculous is because... Which is ridiculous That's why the media freaked out. Yeah, it's not it, about the fact that they were going to invite a few other teams. It was about teams like Arsenal and what Juve's in right now where they might not qualify. What about Tottenham? <laughs> but, 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 you know, the idea that Real Madrid should be do a spot in the Champions League every year because they're Real Madrid or Barcelona because they're Barcelona or Juve because they're Juve or Arsenal because they're Arsenal is ridiculous. Because at the end of the day, man, the teams that were killing it in the Champions League of the 80s are no longer relevant right now. Stava Bucaresti are dead. That's true. Nottingham Forest are dead. They had a dynasty over two years. Aston Villa won a Champions League. I think, wasn't there a Swiss team that went to the final at mm. one point? I don't know if it was Basel. Families rise, families fall, right? Was it not Hawthorne who said families are always rising and falling in America? It's the same in football, man. Matt, you're going to like that. I only know that from The Departed. I but, was about to say, that's, but, a, that's a Departed. But, bro. Yeah, <laughs> but, 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 uh, but, but, but. Listen, it doesn't make sense to say this is how things are now and we want to make sure that things always stay this way. Sure, as individual respective clubs, they might want to ensure that that they're that they're locked into some guaranteed money all the time, but I also think that I also think that you 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 can't you can't expect people to just lay down quietly and take that given the fact that it kind of devalues the whole competition, the whole point of competition. Again, over time, people might've forgotten about it, but I think that 
the people now who watch football weren't willing to wait out 20 years before it was widely adopted. I don't know if anyone who really is a true football fan would have been happy with the notion that, you know, yeah, maybe it, this will be widely adopted in 20 years, but you know, if I'm going to have to watch this, I'm going to have to sell my soul. I mean, it's, it's a very hard sell. It, it is very screwed up a notion to have 15 teams protected at all times. So it's a semi-closed league, which the Champions League is not. The Champions League is a totally open league. Now, here's the kicker, guys. I want all your feedback on this. I think that UEFA is totally irrelevant in general. I think that what they offer is not proprietary. I think that anybody could organize a tournament. I could organize a tournament between all the clubs that participate in the Champions League if I wanted to, and people would watch that. People don't watch a tournament because it's the UEFA Champions League. People watch it because it's Juventus playing against Real Madrid. People care about who the teams are, and that's it. That's where the crux of the issue lies, in my opinion. I view the current situation, the incumbent situation, as it was a week ago, as being not Pareto efficient for the clubs. Fans were happy because it was a meritocracy. UEFA was happy because they were making a shitload of the money that was involved in the competition, but clubs weren't happy because they felt that they weren't getting their due share, right? It was not Pareto efficient. Had we gone the Super League route, it would not have been Pareto efficient. Likewise, because UEFA and FIFA would have gotten screwed if they wanted to actually follow through on their threat of not allowing players to participate in the Euro and the World Cup. So they lose out because the best players in the world aren't taking part in their competition. The whole thing gets watered down. Fans lose out because it's no longer a meritocratic system and the entire value of the competition gets devalued. And the only teams that win are the teams that are a part of the Super League. So that's not Pareto efficient either. What's the best situation here, right? Ideally... Clubs get their due share for being the clubs that people watch and for being a part of the Champions League, which all the eyeballs are on, but not because it's the Champions League, but because they are the best teams in the world, objectively, right? It's about as objective as it gets. And fans are happy and they win because they get to watch a great level of competition and they get to watch, again, the best clubs in the world. So my question is, how important is UEFA in all this? Because I would argue that they have very little standing in the game. I think they are effectively a mafia who just kind of, who just kind of wield power wherever they can, and they're just trying to get as much as much as they can for their own constituents. But at the end of the day, they're just an organizer. I think we saw the real power of UEFA over the past two three days. I understand everything that you were just mentioning. But UEFA was the biggest winner out of everybody with regard to Champions League and Europa League. And I'll give you a good example. In the Champions League final, you have, let's say, 80,000 tickets. 20,000 for this club, 20,000 for that club. Where do the other tickets go? They go to UEFA. They go to UEFA. They are the ones that have the tickets. They hold on to them. The clubs only get a limited amount for those tickets that they are released by UEFA because UEFA dictates to the clubs what they can make and what they can make. That's a microcosm showing exactly how the model is working for UEFA more than these clubs. Now, the other thing I wanted to add is that you you can argue about, you know, this club and that club. You know, I heard Arsenal. I heard Tottenham. You know, they're not, you know, Juve. They're not Liverpool. They're not. Real Madrid, gotcha, understood. But we have to consider this. Real Madrid's president, Florentino Perez, said there's approximately seven, seven billion, uh, excuse me, what was the number he had? Se uh, 700, 700 million supporters worldwide of soccer, 700 million. 
under 50%, I'd say 45% are of these 15 of these, of these 12 clubs. So when you have these clubs that have a lot of support and people follow them, that is what is helping generate the revenue for these clubs and for UEFA to organize these events because these people are watching those clubs. They're not watching Fitting Varosi. They're not watching Legia uh, Krakow. They're not watching uh, Stua Bucharesti. They're not watching Cadiz. They're watching Real Madrid going up against Liverpool. They're watching Barcelona against Milan. They're watching Juventus against Manchester uh, City. They're okay. watching the big boys against each other in the later knockout rounds. Not the and so the argument about, you know, let's expand this tournament. Let's have more teams in there. The spirit of inclusion is nice to the ears, but the model doesn't fit it. Oh, and it terrible. makes it much worse for the big clubs to compete because the players, as I mentioned before, the player salaries are still increasing. The transfer fees are still increasing. I don't see, I don't see Sevilla is paying 200 million euros for a player. I don't see uh, Fulham spending 120, 150 million on a fullback. They just, and they're not and they're not in champions league in the later stages. Well, you, you have to spend within your means, but, but, but the thing is, the thing is though, the thing is a, a lot of what, look, uh, an issue, an issue is that Man City are involved in this competition. Sure. They're a very widely supported club right now, but they weren't 12 years ago. They were a local club in Manchester and they were Man United's big, bro- they were Man United's little brother. They were bought out in 2007 or 2008 and they were created out of thin air. In theory, somebody can buy Newcastle tomorrow as was reported last year. You know, somebody might've, the Saudis might've bought Newcastle last year and within 10 years, they might've become the next Man City. At that point, you could probably assume that they might have a huge amount of fans worldwide, right? A huge amount of fans worldwide. Who's to say that they wouldn't deserve to be a part of whatever the Super League might look like in 15 years on the basis of the fact that they have a huge number of the world's fans that follow them. My point is, everything is dynamic. If we decide that now is like the optimal point in football history and we need to kind of preserve this forever, we lose a value of the game, which is the fact that it is dynamic. It is inherently dynamic. Yeah, Real Madrid or Real Madrid, they've been Real Madrid for a long time. Juve have won 30 titles, 35 titles. How many are we up to now? 30, almost 40 titles. We've been, we've been, uh, it's been hard. To, it's been hard to keep track the last decade. <laughs> they, 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 you know, we, we, we've been one of the biggest players in, in, in European football for a long time. Likewise for Milan, despite the fact they've had a hard time the past few years, they have a large fan base and that is, you know, th- that is because they have won for a very long time. Listen, I get all that, but I'm saying there's a level of dynamism that still exists. And it's very important that that be maintained. Yeah, but you're assuming that the Super League is going to be ironclad and it's not it's not going to evolve. Who's to say that it's going to change over time? I, I think mean, that I mean, it could evolve. Would, would an NBA t- but, but, you know, I don't I don't necessarily agree that that's ever a realistic expectation, right? Because once it becomes a closed league, it becomes very difficult to convince any one of the 15 grandfathers who at the time of foundation, at the time of founding, excuse me, were guaranteed they, they were guaranteed that they will be lifers in this league. I mean, they're not going to go quietly if they're not going to go quietly into the night. If, 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 if they are asked to exit the league or if they want to reshape the structure of the league so that it becomes a merit, a meritocracy. I think that if you wind up in this league, you struck, you, you won the lottery, you struck gold and you're never going to back down, especially if there is binding contracts saying that you 
you you you you're sucked in for life. You know what I mean. So uh, while it while it's like it's a nice idea in principle that it might change over time, I don't know that any of the any of the fifteen founding clubs would ever have any reason to want out of it because why yeah, would they so- if they're getting fat off of the TV contract and they have literally nothing to lose uh, by staying in the league. So, so so let me let me let me switch gears switch gears here for a little bit. So this is uh, first of all Bianconetti's own. If you're not following them, you're not a really good fan. Uh, shout outs to them; those guys are awesome. So they're reporting from Financial Times that Super League clubs signed binding contracts. The penalty clauses are worth hundreds of millions of euros. No Farhad, 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 Farhad. Maybe just I'm gonna pull a Joe Rogan. Maybe just keep keep the keep the mic a fist a fist from your face. Fist, that's right. Yeah. By the way, that that um, uh, Action Bronson episode was awesome. So, anyways, uh, it, it continues. No team could not up could could opt out until at least two, June 2025, and those who remain could legally sue the others. Um, Alleged, also, allegedly, oh, right? Yeah. But, but this is Financial Times reporting. Well, also, no, no, no. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're, 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 we're going to let Matt, Matt talk next. Uh, I just want to read one more, uh, one more quote from Perez. It says that amongst the 12 teams, we lost 650 million euros last year. This season it will be two-thirds more that. Uh, so this format clearly does not work. He's, he's being a little, little harsh, but we'll, we'll let Matt speak his mind. Well, there's no denying that the system right now needs some changes around how payments are done and what in UEFA's cut is too big for a lot of these bigger clubs who are, who are driving the majority of the fandom. And I, I am 100% on board with that, with that argument around the importance of these big clubs and how much they mean to the global game because they are everything. The issue with it is that, you know, my issue actually is, is not that even they, they came out with this, this Super League because this is just an extenuation of everything we've been seeing over the last 20 years where, you know, it is the haves and the have-nots. You know, a team like Ajax makes a run to the semifinals and we celebrate it because it's, oh, this old historic club is making it back. And then, like, they lose and then, you know, the next year they don't get out of the group stage. We celebrate that because we, we want this idea that it's not always the same teams and we love this, this belief that the underdog can win, but the underdog isn't winning. You look at every league, you look at the Champions League, it's always one of the big clubs. I mean, you look at England, it's been majority of the Manchester clubs and Chelsea have won almost every year for the last 15, except for the last year in Leicester. And then if you throw in Arsenal, there's only two up. There's only, you have to go all the way back to Blackburn Rovers. If you look at Spain, it's been Madrid. It's been the Madrid clubs of Barcelona for the last 20 years. If you look at Italy, it's been the Milan clubs and, and Juve for the last 20 years. This is just an extenuation of everything we've been seeing. And so... Where, where the argument around, you know, oh, we got to preserve the game. We're already kind of lost the game. But, you know, is, is the solution to further close the game or is it to open it up further, right? Well, I mean, if you, if you go and do this, you're beyond the point. You're, you're basically past the point of no return. 100%. Right. But the, the thing is that nobody's really offering any solutions that are going to come. So do I, do I blame these clubs being like, we need to get ours because we're spending the most money? No, I don't. Like I understand their their point of view. This they they are the ones putting in all this money, and they're losing a ton of it because of how the system is. They're like we drive it, so we want to yeah. get more. Now, what needs to happen is some sort of changes around how I don't know. There, you could do something like a catch fall um, fund where, like you know, if you get knocked out of the Champions League, if you don't make it into the Champions League next year, you still get some money. This is kind of what EP, EPL does around teams that get relegated. 
they they have to get paid into a little bit to kind of soften the blow. Um, Cause that's, and that's what Agnelli was talking about last year when he talked about Atalanta versus like a Roma who Roma were trying to invest in, in the club and put money in. But if they don't get the champions league revenue, they can't actually, it doesn't actually work for them. So they need to be in the champions league to actually drive change. So that that's where the issue is too, is that we can't, you know, there's, there's these smaller clubs are not, you know, not uh, it's, it's offensive to a club like Roma to say they're small because they're not, but like they can't fully invest in mm-hmm. without, continued champions league revenue but right now the system isn't working for them either so juve and milan were like screw it like we're we're done trying to lift up everybody else so listen, let's just listen. go with the with the bet the others yeah. it just bump, bump me out the fact that a lot sorry sorry sam that many teams would leave their domestic leagues that well, like, that was anything, the but listen, but listen brother. they were getting that was just the weirdest part for me like we're going to sacrifice the awesome season that we have and watch smaller teams and you know get these giants battling it out it was, the whole thing was kind of weird but Farhad, yeah, but- that was that was a threat that was a threat made by fifa in order to put pressure in order to put pressure listen if we assume that this whole thing was a real negotiation it was a pressure tactic by fifa if we uh look at it from the other perspective that this whole thing was kind of you know kind of just a power play by these players to by by these clubs to try to get more of the pie then it was FIFA trying to look like they were putting up a fight, saying something to that effect. Because at the end of the day, it's, it does not help every respective individual football association to kick out the biggest teams from the biggest competition in each respective country. And, 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 and Matt, bro, you know, the, the, the thing is, you were talking about how change needs to happen. I mean, it is happening. We're seeing it. UEFA, I mean, this, this, as much as we're talking about the Super League, like it's actually happening, it's, it ain't happening, man. It's dead in the water. It's suspended. And I think it was always going to get to this point. They got what they wanted. They got a 7 million, a 7 billion euro injection of funds into the Champions League. That doesn't only benefit the big boys, that benefits every club that makes the competition. And Christian, in the case of the details of that, do you know where that's mon- that money is going? This is being injected into the competition, is it not? Uh, right meaning what so the model stays the same the model stays the same they're just they, they, okay, so again they were, this, so they were bribed okay so they were bribed that's a bribe what do you mean they're bribed you yeah, mean they're you, bribed. You, yeah because they're, the argument look the argument from these 15 these 12 clubs is that the model to make money and to compete at the highest level within UEFA does not work for us. So then UEFA comes back and throws a threat saying, you're going to be thrown out of the Euro. You're not going to be able to participate in the World Cup. And oh, by the way, we're going to throw $7 billion at you to stay but, but it wasn't us. but it wasn't only that, at them it was an injection into, yeah, into the whole tournament i got that. right I got so that. all 36 but teams this is not, but that this will is not be part of it okay fine but that's why i say it's a bribe and by the way we have to note this it's a concession Bar-Muni, it's a concession Bar-Muni, well it's i call it a bribe but anyway that's neither here nor there <laughs> but let's say let's sure. say Bayern munich and psg and Dortmund were the other three clubs that supposedly were going to be other founding clubs along with these 12. They did not join. They stayed absolutely silent. And and lo and behold, at the UEFA Congress, who gets a major committee appointment? The president of PSG. I was just reading the article. (laughs) No, no, they got got promoted within UEFA. They got got to be a part of of the executive committee. You know, the, see, so, so again, everybody looks horrible. I'm saying no one looks good. I'm not saying sitting here saying that these clubs are hundred percent correct. I don't agree with that either, but 
what what it really what I'm really proud of, though, the one thing I am proud of is the discussion about the 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 breakdown of what is really going on financially within UEFA and with mm. these clubs. Mm-hmm. That is the biggest discussion that I had with a, a friend of mine from high school who hasn't he doesn't know anything about soccer, but he has an MBA. And we're talking business about He's soccer. An MBA? And this, MBA, MBA. <laughs> He has an MBA. No, he's not in the MBA. It's Anthony Davis. You know, he's talking to his boy. His boy is Anthony Davis. That's his friend. You're yeah. talking to LeBron. Yeah, right. I know. <laughs> so, so what did what did LeBron say? LeBron. LeBron. Yeah. LeBron, LeBron said no. I'm just kidding. But uh, no. Yeah, but, I, I, but, I could but, predict what LeBron would have said. He would have said, "Hey, man, football is about the you know sports is about the people, man. It's about the people." Hey, LeBron man. was gonna get paid Le- too, Le- man. LeBron, LeBron goes where the fucking tide goes, man. His opinion on anything is just where the tide is. But he's also an owner of Liverpool, so you know he would. Yeah, he was gonna get paid too. You don't. You don't listen. You don't want to be on the wrong side of a mob, and that's exactly what we got on As social we saw media today <laughs> or this week. Oh yeah. Yeah, Chelsea so, was the first to drop drop down. Remember I, the, the I struggle to believe that Chelsea dropped out because they were they were came in a pressure. Again, I think they got exactly what they wanted. I think this was a brilliant maneuver by 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 the parties involved. And and I'm 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 not unconvinced of the possibility that there might have been a backroom agreement between Sefarin, who's very close to Agnelli, who's the godfather to Agnelli's daughter, where where Agnelli, who was basically the head of the entire, again, he was he was the head of the entire European Clubs Association. I think he might have gone to him and said, "Listen, this isn't working for us, man. This is absolutely not working for us. We need to renegotiate this deal." And I understand that you can't be, you can't afford to look weak. You have constituents to whom you report and you have to make it look like you're putting up a fight if you're going to make a concession this big. So we're going to go out and distract everyone. We're going to create this big PR stink. And you can give us the 7 billion euro payout that it is that we've agreed upon now in this gentlemanly fashion. And uh, it'll look like it was, you know, done in the best interest of UEFA to keep us around. And in exchange, I will step down as the president and chairman of the ECA. You can appoint your pawn, Nasser El Khalifi, who is Qatar, right? The the Qatar. Yeah, the, the whole the whole Qatari uh, so connection. A, yeah, so he's a he's a pawn. He's a pawn of FIFA. He's a soft. He would be a soft, and he's not going to lobby for change and reform like Agnelli did. And that's it. Everyone's happy. I think it was a brilliantly executed negotiation between all parties. I'm convinced of this now beyond a doubt because I can't I can't bring my mind around the idea that they would be this stupid. That's what it is. If ah. they were so it was, you know, could it really have been this bad a failed so, coup d'etat? So here's the thing, and this is where I, I wanted to bring up this quote because Simon Cooper, I think, nailed it. Where I he, quoted I quoted this on my pod an hour he said, ago. Said, anyone who spends any time inside football soon discovers that just as oil is part of the oil business, stupidity is part of the football business. And, and he goes possible. on to say, <laughs> this one was great. He says, a fellow football writer once told me he tried and failed to do business with a legendary English football institution. He said, I can work with crooks and I can work with stupid people, but I can't work with stupid people who think they are crooks. Mm-hmm. And I think that well, just sums up some of these people we, we, who run we, these clubs. Yeah. And and yeah, the, the whole Qatari connection and stuff, it's um, 
PSG president says that PSG holds the firm belief that football is a game for everyone. Come right. on, bro. This right. stuff Come kills on, me. Like, it's, precise, it's precisely why PSG didn't uh, join the 12, because of optics. I think PSG were very happy with what was going on because they, like every other club that would be a part of the Champions League, for years to come, we'll receive a larger part of the pie. Well, Par- Paris said that they, they didn't, they weren't asked. But listen, we just got a whole new injection of handsomeness right here. What's up, buddy? Look who, look who joined us. This is a dedication, you know. It's 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 ten o'clock, and my man is fresh out of work. What's up, Giovanni? Not much. Have I have I missed something? What's going on, man? <laughs> uh, Juve, Dude, where's your, Juve Where's Palmer your microphone? We're talking about. <laughs> Oh, dude. Yeah. Sorry, man. I literally just got back from work. As you can see, no, I'm we're, we're, we're going to ask you to leave our, our super podcast. Just I, I didn't set up my mic, a microphone. So, no, I mean, I've got one. It's actually right here. But my concern is if I plug this sucker in and then it goes like my audio goes, then it's a something else. But uh, let, fine, let, let me yeah, try here's, Honestly, here's, I'm, I'm breaking off and I'm making my own super podcast. Sorry, guys. I'm out. <laughs> Here's the here's a I'm Bill joining Piero. Matt in breaking away and we're gonna go to JP Morgan for a billion euros. We've, we've already got funding. Funding is secured. We're oh, gonna we're we're gonna sue the pants out of you. We've got we've got Del Piero. We've got Del Piero. This is for Giovanni. I would love to know what court you're gonna file that in. <laughs> uh LA Superior Court. Nice. Is this there you go. That's, that's the, my the, guy right the, there. The high, the high court. The high court. Which court? All the right, high jo- one. All right, Giovanni. <laughs> what's, 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 on, what's on your mind, Giovanni? Uh, hey, I wanted Giovanni. I wanted to wait for him because I want to kind of switch gears here again and stop talking about the president of Real Madrid and discuss our own president because he, oh, man, make it clear for us, Giovanni. What? Which? Which side are you standing on? Um, you know, many fans are happy. Many fans are unhappy. Um, make it clear for us, Mr. Anneli. You're his lawyer. Talk to us. Uh, I mean, you asked me one question is where do we do you stand? And I say, I, you know, there's nowhere to stand in a war with two losers. So where do you want me to stand? I'm not standing anywhere. I think this is too complex of an issue to be digested by most people. It it just is. I'm not trying to be an asshole or anything. Just most people either don't care to dig deep enough into what the various issues are. Well, we dug deep, dude. Some people you, just you got, listen to. No, the- no, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, just in general. And I'm sure you guys covered it because you know, I, 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 I think, you know, from a footballing standpoint, right? We we've got some chops and you know, we can have a, we, you know, we, obviously we talk about it and people. I'm actually listen. curious to see what's your opinion because the guys, they all Look, present man, different opinions. Like, I want to see I, if, again, it, if it matches. Like, I, it's, it, it, it's, it's a complex situation and there's no, there was no good solution, obviously, because otherwise, you know, there wouldn't have been problem. I think, I think everybody's right and everybody's wrong. Right. It, it sounds like a very Switzerland position to take, but let me let me let me let me clarify, right? So I understand the average fan who's been a lifelong follower of whoever, right? Let's let, let's call it even like one of the big 12 that um, seceded 
And they've grown up watching uh, Serie A on Sundays and just on Sundays. And they grew up watching Champions League just on Thursdays. Remember, that's how it used to be back in the day, Coppa Campioni. And so these people see this continuous evolution and changes that are coming and they stomach it. But I think what ended up happening with the Super League, especially with the way he it just came out of nowhere, it was Sunday. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, my phone is blowing up and whatnot. And I want to hear this. There's one. this Super League thing. And I'm like, what is going on? Right. It's too much. People don't digest change well in general, let alone when you stuff it down their throats, you know, without them like expecting it. Right. So, so I can understand those fans and I can understand, you know, where they're coming from. And, and, and I think the way that the, that the super league 12 did it was, was not the right way to, to try to get their point across. Right. That being said, right. That's, that's on the no super league side, right? The fans and and it also kind of prevents like those Cinderella stories like Ajax, like Porto with Mourinho, like Leicester, stuff like that, right? You you know, it's good to see that. It makes it makes it unique and entertaining. But then on the flip side, right? These 12 and potentially, right? Also, let's say the cowards of Bayern and and PSG, they join up. If you go look at their books, these are the clubs that have the most fans, the most revenue, right? They are the ones that have expanded football outside of the confines of Europe into the into a truly global sport. And and I mean that from a club level, right? You know, now you've got. You've got Barcelona fans in Australia, in LA, in Singapore. You've got Juve fans all over. I see Juve, so many Juve jerseys, so many Juve jerseys. We've been talking about it, how finally Juventus has become a global brand and it's at, you know, in the top tier with all of the other clubs, right, that we looked up to. And yeah, I see so many Juve, at, sorry to interrupt. I see so ahead. many Juve jerseys in Chicago to the point where it's like, oh, which player is this? Which I don't like. I used to come up to them and ask them, invite them to our fan club. So something's working making, definitely. Yeah, my friend was making fun because so I have a buddy. He's from uh, he's from uh, wherever the town is where Schalke is from, Gelsenkirchen or wherever, whatever it's called. But he's a big Schalke fan, German guy. So he's the antithesis of an Italian. And so he's like, man. I was getting my shot and then I turned around and I thought I saw this dude with some cool, like, you know, urban type camo and whatnot. And then I looked at him and it's that stupid, like tiger print Juve tracksuit. And I started laughing, right? Like this, he took a picture of this dude who was just rocking it. Like it was like the latest piece of like, and he's not, he may not even be a Juve fan, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And so you, you have the juxtaposition of literally these few clubs that have globalized the entertainment business of football. And you have the pandemic that has literally opened up the kimono of the biggest problem that we've not been hearing about 
only one person has been talking about it, and that's Andrea Agnelli. And it's the fact that the business of football was unsustainable. It was unsustainable because a lot of these clubs are in leagues that are too small for them. They're too provincial. They're not able to get enough revenue. But in order to stay at the top, right, and compete, these wage bills just kept building up. Transfers got more expenses. Wages got more expensive. Um, uh, Like the fees that you give to agents are more. And all of a sudden, these clubs are carrying, while they're making a ton of revenue, they've got a ton of expenses. And some of them, you know, are in the black, but most are in the red. And this was a, their lifeline to say, we need to survive. And in order for us to grow and survive, we need money now. You know, so I, I see where they're coming from. They're, they want an, what is an equitable slice of the pie, right? They put in more, they bring in more eyes, they drive uh, those TV right deals up. Why, why right, so, shouldn't they get more, right? So, 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 what's your stance on our on on the president of Juve? He's in hot yeah, water he right made now. A move, but at the same time, he made he's a move not. for Juve. People think he was selfish and greedy. How's he selfish and greedy? If he's he doesn't he gets paid, but he's an independently wealthy guy. Like if he did not give a shit about Juve, he could go and run Ferrari. He could go and be. He can go get a like a C-level gig at any Fortune 500 company just because of his last name and because of the clout it carries in the business world. And because of his experience, right? And exactly. And he's also a sharp dude, right? Let's let's give him what what he deserves from that standpoint. All of this hullabaloo was because he wanted to preserve Juve's status and he wanted to take care of the massive deficit that we're carrying on the books because mm-hmm. we, okay, we made, as a business, you take on certain risk because, and certain liabilities because you know you're going to eventually turn it into a profit, right? It's part of just like, you, it's just risk, right? And Juventus had been doing it organically, right? Taking that extra risk in order to expand and then be able to get more revenue. But when COVID happens and you shut down the stadiums, which it was right to do, you literally killed the bloodline of what was supposed to be the profits of the club. I, I actually just read the, the quote from Perez and he says that the 12 teams will lost 650 million euros last year. And this season will be two thirds more that so. I think he said. I think. I think that. I think they meant to say two to th- two slash three. So two to three times more than that. Two yeah, yeah, yeah. Either, no, either one, way, it's yeah, two thirds of that. I, I don't know these guys. I well, guys, yeah, it could I'm be two. Literally... It says two thirds, but Whoa. it's either two thirds or two to three times. So either way, he's he's arguing that it's a very precarious financial situation, which makes sense. But Giovanni, what you're saying is true. Uh, all these guys were doing every single respective president of every single respective club, and let's talk about Agnelli because he's our guy, right? Is he was trying to look out for the best interest of Juve, and I I would argue that no matter what actually happens here, or let me let me let me backtrack. Despite the fact that what has happened here appears to be that the whole league has gone tits up. On paper, he still achieved what it was. 
he was trying to do. He sought out to get a bigger slice of the pie, and he's got it. UEFA has folded. They have agreed to inject 7 billion euro into the Champions League as a competition, meaning that every club involved will see a larger slice of the pie. I keep repeating this, but it's significant. I think that either way, it was a win-win for them. They either broke off and went against the system that has existed for a long time, or there was a ref- there was a financial reform where they forced their you know, no, people they were bargaining with to bend. Yeah, no, 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 no. Look, ultimately, as a business move, you know, people, we talk about like the, the buzzword is disruption, right? They wanted to disrupt a business, right? The football business of that's been going on for a hundred something years. This is this is the disruption. This is you going from flipping a phone and punching in key numbers to having a a glass screen <laughs> and a computer that talks back to you, right? You don't imagine it till it actually happens, and you're just doing it. People. And this is where like the nuance of the situation is. What is the one advantage of having a closed league similar to the major leagues in the U.S.? Take take a guess. What, what? Predictability and uh, no, not that's not it. You don't, Christian, Christian, you haven't spoken since Giovanni. Come on. Okay. Uh, I don't have the answer to your question, Giovanni. So if anyone else wants to answer. Matt, Matt. Yeah. Guaranteed income. That's one, yeah. And then what else? Guaranteed income and predictability are like the same thing. So that's one element. But no. What are you getting at? It's all about money, man. You know, like money, money is what rules everything. So... You've got guaranteed income, right? But you also have that with UEFA. But what you don't have with UEFA that you have with a closed system is that you can make the rules in terms of cost control. You slap a salary cap. These 12 clubs knew that they were going to get a ton of money up front from JP Morgan. And then they knew that they could command bank for TV rights and knew that because they were the 12 most prestigious clubs and they had more scrap and they could pay more, but they could also band together and say, we are not paying more than X amount every year to our players. Boom. That's how you mitigate any fluctuation in your revenue and your profit. I mean, you, you cap your costs and then you try to rake in as much money as possible to increase that profit. You can do that now. Not it's a pretty much it's a free market in Europe. The transfer market is as capitalistic as it comes. You you you're correct. I think that's a very astute observation. What I would what I would what I would not what I would not discount is the fact that I think they might have been okay with keeping things as they are if they got enough money, which seems to have been the case because if you could, Giovanni's shaking his head, no, but I really do think that if UEFA meant business, if FIFA meant business, they would have really hit the clubs where it hurt and they would have said, you know what, go do your thing. But any club that's still a member of FIFA, any club that's still a member of FIFA cannot under any circumstance transact with 
clubs that are involved. You can't sell a player to the teams. You can't buy a player to. You can't buy a player from the teams because think of it this way: that is the that would have no. That, that I will tell you why that would not have worked because you got the whole Bosman rule, and depending on where you are from, a, from you know from like uh you know workers like laws and workers right situation you can't trap someone right no that's the thing not about a free market but if he's out of contract there's a lot of friction as so, sorry, so, sorry and then sorry, you know because yeah. ultimately right you can just say like like players will, will will figure out a way to get walk out of a contract if they know that manchester united or whoever is looking for them but here's the problem though you say that um you know, UEFA or FIFA needs to get more money into their pockets. But in a fully, you know, again, capitalist system, the more money the clubs are, who's not to say that in order for you to go buy, I don't know, like just player ABC from Atalanta. Atalanta knows that you got more money and that you're going to get more money from UEFA, they're just going to keep raising the prices and you just got to pay them. You know what I mean? Can I just say a couple of things? What's crazy to me was the participation of other clubs because <clears throat> they could not have predicted this. Getting kicked out of UEFA. I mean, the, 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 maybe they're trying to make themselves look like they were duped into something. Uh, we'll see with time. Like uh, Perez mentioned that uh, he knows who sent the protesters in front of Stanford Bridge, which is, sounds kind of kooky. Uh, someone said that he sounds like a Middle Eastern dictator at some times. Uh, that's, that's crazy to me that Manchester, Manchester City would agree to, uh, to, to an announcement when they're in the semifinals. And three teams out of those 12 are still in the NPSG was going to be like, you know, given the Champions League title. So that's just crazy to me. It's just an observation how serious that must have been a club um, um, you know th those clubs are the best clubs in the world the biggest clubs in the world that they were convinced of that project um just seems crazy that they didn't know what's behind it and second if 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 all those clubs wanted to make real money you know what they do they take the the summer the summer tournament away from international whatever whoever organizes it now and I've been to those and they're, they're not greatly organized and they could have done, they could have made bank. If you take the 12 teams, the best 12 teams in the world and kind of like have this, this tournament organized by the best teams themselves and they can charge whatever they want. They can do whatever they want. Just, just a couple of, couple of thoughts. Maybe. Yeah. It doesn't sell as much as the whole league, right? It, it What'd you say? Uh, go, Christian, go on, Matt. Sorry. Go on, Matt. Um, I was just going to say that those those big clubs don't have the time to organize these summer exhibition tournaments. They're going after if they're going to break away and create their own league. They're doing it during prime time when they get the most eyeballs in the summer. People are on vacation. You're only getting tourists. You're not going to generate the revenue of these guys. And so these guys are going after the juggernaut. But I wanted to mention I wanted to respond to something Giovanni said. Now, everything you said, Giovanni, I, 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 I really appreciated the way you put it together. I was trying to do that earlier. My emotions got a little bit of the best of me, and I got same. I feel like Gio really summed up a lot of the. the, the I, I, I just love all the love right now. He said it in a manner that was really more presentable. But the thing about the the cap, salary cap, 
the thing about that is these guys take off and they do their own league and they get equal share of the revenue. And it's a, we're talking enormous money. The biggest draw that I heard that Florentino Perez said in his first interview on Sunday is that the best players in the world play at the best clubs. When you do a salary cap, you're actually opening the door for these guys to actually make a decision because if you cap yourself to spending money on talent and the other uh, league that, or the other organizing body you're going up against does not have a salary cap, these players might think twice about playing in that club and go to the other club that doesn't have salary cap because you can in spirit say, yeah, we were, we're going to try to make more money because we're going to put a cap and, and lower our costs. But that's, I don't think that that's was in the cards. I think what it was more is that we're going to continue. We're going to have it with no salary cap. We're going to, we're going to have a, generate as much revenue as possible. And we're going to, we're going to keep a bigger piece of the pie because we're the ones putting it together. So uh, that's the, the one thing I wanted to mention about I, I, that item. Just to cut it, I think the financial times said that the commitment was to 55% of revenue was to be spent on players and no more. But at the same time, if the revenue keeps growing massively, 55% of, uh, big ass number is still a big ass number. Um, right. but, but you're not, you know, you're not, you know, you're not wrong though there on Chris with that whole point of like, you know, a, a, the idea of a cap is that it, you know, you, if you are one of those players, maybe you don't get exactly what you want. You might go look elsewhere. The only counter argument be is though, if all the good teams are in, you know, could a team like a Roma, if they're not invited to the, I keep using Roma cause they're just like on the top yeah. of my head, but like, if they're not invited are they ever going to be able to find the money to actually make the difference? And the, but it, 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 it would the, the a only semi farm system. But here's the thing, though, right? You would have a situation where, like, technically, you can't extricate these clubs from their national sides, from the national leagues. It just it does it would kill the national leagues. It would be it, they'd be killing themselves. To the, be like, the football associations would never go for that, right? The, yeah, the FIGC doesn't want that. The, the FIGC comes before the fall. And yeah. honestly, because if you're faced with the death of Serie A, because Inter Milan and Juve go, I think uh, I read a tweet, right? I think it was paraphrasing something, a quote from Magnelli. I don't know if it's true or not, but, you know, somebody told him, it's like, well, you know, if you go in the Super League and then you're still competing in the Serie A, then, and you have all this extra money, you know, you're going to be so dominant. You're not going to give a chance to any other team to win. And he's like, well, what's the difference been in 80 years? The most, the, the, the three teams that have won the most Serie A is Juventus, Inter, and Milan. When was the last time that another team won the Serie A? That's not, that wasn't Milan. It was Inter. 2001, it was like, right? It was like 20 years ago. And and Roma, they did it because they did some BS with the with with with, with the uh non-EU players and Nakata slid in and, and scored two goals at the Delay. Shout out, shout out to Nakata. I oh yeah, dude. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love it, man. I love that. Matt's Matt's before, Matt's rocking a yeah, this is tough radio. Matt's rocking a Japan Matt's rocking a Japan football hat. JFA, baby. Um, so and then before the two Roma teams, it was Napoli and Sampdoria in the 90s, 90 and 91. But so, so like, I mean, guys, this is what are we talking about here? Like, ultimately, right? You got you have to find the middle road. And one thing about a salary cap, don't forget, guys, is that a salary cap is dynamic. Your revenue goes up, 
your salary cap grows. Your revenue goes down like a pandemic hits you and then everybody, nobody loses their job, but everybody takes a pay cut. People forget about that. It's a, it's literally a way for you to have a sustainable business. And you, you talked about this in the, in the, the group chat a bit more, but like, you know, Syria teams can complain about Juve, Milan and Inter leaving, but let's get your house in order first. Like, come on. Thank How you. many times are we going to watch a team like Lazio get into the Champions League and invest zero money in new players? Like, I, or, my, don't even worry about that, about them outside of Italy. Like, take care of your own house and behave in your own house. This, the Serie A is, to me, the biggest disgrace in Europe. Not because it is not a good league. I think the games are good. I think the quality of the games are good. It's for the people that look at football like chess and not like checkers, right? Yes, it is sir. fantastic for that reason. However, they have poorly marketed themselves because of the provinciality of the people in charge. You have you have about almost half of the clubs that are trying to put together some sort of deal with private equity so that they can form some sort of cohesive strategy to build up the league like La Liga did back in the 2000s and like EPL did in the 90s. But then you have to go and and you got to deal with the Italian bureaucracy that tells you, that makes you bleed yourself in order to get a 99-year lease to refurbish a stadium or to build a new stadium and provide employment for people. You have more bureaucracy that tells you, oh, you can't go renovate Artemio Franchi Stadium because it has landmark status. Yet that that stadium, it, I, I, they, the, 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 the city of Florence- Matt, Matt's been there, right? Matt, 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 yeah. Matt is- I lived in Florence yeah. for I lived in Florence for a year, and it is it is shocking how bad that stadium is. It is and that yeah, was the, when and, here's and the, the, here's 2009, the thing. 2008, 2009. Here, here's, they were good. The here's the thing, though, guys. No, sorry, Giovanni, go finish. I thought you were done. Yeah, go yeah. On. So, like, the city of Florence doesn't even have the money to keep it in shape, while Fiorentina says, "Hey, we'll take care of it, but we get, we gotta have a better structure." And then you have these folks that cannot agree on on how to how to put together a TV deal that isn't pittance and isn't all the way behind League One in France. Are we are we behind League One in France in, in terms of entertainment and 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 history? Or product yeah, on the field. We, no, we're not. Exactly. That's, but yeah we cannot but, get that money. Well, and that is because of just some dumbasses that think so small and so provincial, I swear to God, like it's so bad that it chases money out of the league. Money comes into the yes. league. People with money come into the league. They try to enact change. They get frustrated and leave. They fuck off, pissed off at the prospect of having wanted to invest money and not being to run able. away. I get it. A lot to run away. Now, here's the thing. Here's the look. We're, we're, right, we're, get, let's, we're getting, let's we're getting, let, let's, yeah, let, let's, let's realistic. Cause look, what, what we're agreeing on is are several points here, which is that. There, there's definitely, there's definitely a different scale of needs for certain clubs uh, at different echelons in Europe. It's very clear that there are levels to 
um, the amount of the amount of revenue and the amount of just the eyeballs that, that, that are on certain clubs versus other clubs in a league. So Napoli don't get the same global visibility as Juve do. That's just one example. Uh, and it's the same in the Premier League. You know, Everton isn't as followed worldwide as Liverpool is. It's why they wanted to take part in this league. Ultimately, it looks like the entire Super League failed. Okay. Or the idea of actually getting a Super League together that will be played in, you know, in a, in a very short delay. It looks like that idea failed. But ultimately, I think the fact that UEFA had to make a very big concession and the fact that it got a lot of people talking has forced us to ask a lot of very critical questions about the game. And it's forced us to have an interesting conversation like this, which very I think nice. we need to keep, which I think we need to bear in mind going forward. I wonder if anything will change in the coming weeks and months. We'll see if everything that has been reported over the past couple of days actually does come to fruition and the clubs do get a bigger share of the pie. But I think that is at least a step in the right direction. And clearly there are arguments to be made to the merits of both sides. I know a lot of fans have been saying this is disgraceful. This, you know, this is, this is the end of the game. The game is gone. There are a lot of, there are a lot of facets. There are a lot of moving parts to this whole thing. And, you know, you got to look at both perspectives. I think we've done a good job of doing that. And, yes, uh, yes. Yeah. So, so, so we're gonna go around the room. Sam, kind of give us no, great yeah, thought there. That's that's my coda. For yes, the, sir. For uh, speaking of Sam, follow him at Calcio Podcast. Also, he just recorded the a, a new episode of his own podcast. This man went. What is it? Second episode in a row. He goes solo. Yeah, I was. I was gonna that's, maybe. And, I was going to maybe have an interview in, but I was like, no, I got to have a long stream of consciousness to deal with everything. Yeah, very, very, very entertaining. I listened to the last one. Um, Thank you, brother. The, I don't know. I don't know how he does that, but it's it keeps you engaged, man, for an hour. So check him out at Culture Podcast. Listen to his podcast. Um, we're going to go to Matt. Give me one minute of kind of what what you what you think is going to happen. Yeah, and I, I, it's been like the stream of consciousness thing is a great comment because like it, there's been so much just like thought going through my head around this, and it's been hard to really articulate like exactly what I feel. But it's just, you know, we're in a, it's a complicated situation. There are there are reasons why these these clubs came together, and the execution of it was poor. But there's definitely some reasons that 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 makes sense. And yeah, I mean, the, the fact that people were celebrating, you know, oh, wafer one, like you know, wafer's not the good guys. Yeah, let's let's forget yeah. about it. and then like thank you, you thank know you for... fifa is not a good guy like let, let's talk about a qatar world cup where six thousand migrant workers have died like let's let's talk about the racism problem in wafer like let's let's be honest these people aren't good organizations by any means so you know the the owners came out with egg on their face or the 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 presidents and it's it's gonna i think but i do think to sam's point i think that there are some concessions that have already been made and that at the end of the day they'll find a way to spin this as a Hey, listen, you know, we've, we've done some evaluating and we think what's best for everyone is how we move in for the next five, 10 years. And they'll come to the table with some, you know, public PR statement yeah. that ends up kind of wrapping this up in a, in a nice little bow for everyone. I think for Agnelli, it's a, it's a tough look because he was so, he was so much one of the faces of it. Um, I, but I'm not one of the people I, I did say that, like, I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he found that his relationships with everyone is so tarnished, he can't work. He could have resigned, but I don't think he'll be forced out. I don't think he'll leave. I don't want him to, because at the end of the day, he's been, dri he's driven everything that's been positive for Juve. So yeah, can't it, be, you know, yeah. there's some fans who want to like, hey, get rid of him. Like I'm, yeah. I, I know Fahad actually, I think you might be one of them, but um, 
he might have no, got what he, he might have he might have got what he wanted right yeah. so yeah. It, was, so, it was the heat of the moment christian so, yeah. christian thank you again so much for joining i know this was a, a tough situation for you also and we dude i miss talking to you man this guy's like my this guy's like my uv brother so uh what's your if you if you want to plug anything if you want people uh to follow you if if somehow they're related to real madrid and your closing closing arguments sir Sure. Thank you so much, Farhad. And it was a pleasure and an honor to discuss this uh, hot topic with all of you guys. It's really fantastic. And uh, please follow me on uh, Twitter. Um, it's X-I-A-N underscore D underscore Paredes, P-A-R-E-D-E-S. And uh, also on uh, YouTube, the channel is Executive Madridismo. I have uh, episodes released on a weekly basis uh, where I bring in friends of mine to discuss uh, all things with Real Madrid. Um, and, and I'm definitely going to have an ep a couple episodes next week uh, regarding this topic as well as the Champions League semifinal. So final point. This, I this, this man wears a suit on camera. I love it. He dresses. <laughs> he, he has a I told him the first couple of episodes that he posted. So I was like, you look like a, you look like a narco baron sitting here, just in your <laughs> layer, just talking to people. It's it's awesome. I've been Go called ahead, the, uh, I've been called the Tony Soprano of uh, soccer. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, but you you couldn't be a this dude couldn't be a sweeter guy, man. You're so not yeah. Tony. Go ahead, buddy. Yeah, thank you. Final point I just wanted to mention is that you know European football is in a, it's at a crossroads. Um, we really have to reflect and fans out there that are enraged and they they've saw what happened over the past couple of days. We really have to do our due diligence. We have to look at what's going on. There's multiple layers involved in this. And also we have to look at the coverage in the media. I mean, the hypocrisy that I've been seeing is just unbelievable because they we've heard, uh, the, you know, in the media and also on social media with fans about, you know, the little guy, the little guy. We care about the little guy. Well, you know what? The numbers don't support that. The numbers do not support that year in and year out. Okay. So this whole argument about the little guy, it, it's fanning for the moment and it's going to die out because at the end of the day, we want to watch the best football on these fields by the best clubs with the best players in the world against each other in the later stages of these big tournaments. That's what it's really all about at the end of the day. So we just have to read about it. We have to look as much as possible at it. Um, you know, I, uh, the headline, if I had a newspaper and I was going to put out a paper, uh, a headline tomorrow, I would say socialism one European soccer zero. That would be my headline after this whole super league deb debacle happened. So anyway, oh. that's all I had for that. You know, thanks very much, you guys. Um, and thanks Farhad. Thanks buddy. No, we'll, we'll definitely next time we play you guys in the champions league final where Ronaldo scores the winning goal. We'll have you on afterwards. Yeah. I love it. Yes. Sir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mr. Giovanni, I know you joined us late. Thank you very much. Follow Giovanni at geo Turin giants. You're you're bound. You're bound with us forever. Um, yeah. You know, I've been actually neglecting my Twitter account and I feel bad because I have ideas and I have comments, but I'm just like, ah, nobody wants to hear them. So you've, got the really actually, you've got the Giovanotti, uh, you got the Legion of Giovanotti. Uh, yeah, I know, man. Like work life has been crazy. But, but honestly, you know what? that's probably good for your mental health. So you're, you're probably no, smart. no, no. But, but, but he makes good points on in our group chat. And I'm like, dude, like people who follow you know what they're doing. Like, that's what following is like if they want if they didn't want to hear from you they wouldn't so Fair. don't be shy about don't be shy about tweeting and you guys be nice to Giovanni because he's he's very strong no I, not everybody's been 
Fair. So, anyway, so you got thirty seconds left. Doing this one minute, like just I, I don't know. If you if you don't want to say anything, what do you want to say to the fans? Actually, one thing I noticed, right? Um, I mean, I'm Italian. I'm I'm bound to be superstitious. Is this season? Every time I've watched Juve live, they've stunk. Like they stunk bad, and we've lost most of the times. Like, I don't want to say like eighty percent of the times that I watch them, Dude, right? That's, because that's I've got like what, a it's not you. That's the whole season. <laughs> maybe it's just me, and maybe nah, Gio's a curse, I guess. But I, I, mm-hmm. you know, I started asking myself after the third game. I'm like, is it? Is it me? I was like, I'm like, maybe. Should I watch this really clue match against a really big team? If I watch it live, that's when it happens. If I watch it like after, right? All good. I I never checked the score, but I don't know. So that's just a consideration off the top. Giovanni, what what you're failing to take into account is the fact that every game has sucked this year, (laughs) or almost. So it's not just you watching. It's it's just so terrible. The the Atalanta game, the guys played well. But then they've lost steam at minute 65 when they took out Dybala and whoever the other attacker was. And yeah. you don't... Oh, Cuadrado got hurt. And Ronaldo's yeah, in there, right? On they, balance, they, most games have not been good. It's not... It's, I don't sure, know that sure. it... I wouldn't I wouldn't read too much into the superstition. Nope, I'm, I'm going in with it. I think it's Giovanni's fault. Let's go. There we go. I'm, I'm in. <laughs> Anyways, um, you know, last thought. I should... I You know, honestly, all this BLS would have been solved if they would have made just they would have just just rebrand the champions league just rename it to something that the big no have let me finish this is my this is my one minute right so if if they were if i were the powers that be i would have just rebranded the champions league i would have made these 12 15 18 suckers whatever we'll call them the legends and then we have a crazy battle royale for 16 other teams to like join them. And then they try to battle for one cup. And then the president of the clubs just fight each other. You know, you can, you can do that too. And and then, and then, and then in the crowd, you see Christian just, just trying to rip through the crowd. No, just start fighting people for his president. Yeah, and then it's just been crazy. Yeah, Christian, Honestly, Christian's it's been it's been a surreal three days. Yeah. I'm I'm glad it's over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad it's um, over. I just want to watch football and talk football, right? Can we just go yeah. back to talking about how bad Juve is? Yeah, season? it was it was nice to watch it. It was nice to watch a game today. I have to say, despite it all, it was. Just I didn't even yeah, I know there can't. was a game. Yeah, I well, did not know there was a game. We won. So I, think, I think I think I think the next the next time I would like to say how we've really you know, through a gutter ball with, you know, having Cristiano Ronaldo on the team and trying to go after a champions league. I would love to, you know, do that next time. Let's do now. it. Let's do it, man. No, let's do it. We'll, we'll have Christian back for sure. He'll be on a better connection. I mean, he, it was, it was still pretty good. So we thank yeah. him for joining us over the phone. Um, I got, I got nothing. Nobody cares what I have to say. I'm just here for the, I'm honestly here for the drama. I'm enjoying it. I've, it's uh, you know the games haven't been all all that great, but it's it's something different, you know. Like we're we're spectators, and we're not going to change what UEFA does. So uh, really hope for 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 what it's worth. I really hope the distribution of wealth is is done a little better. Uh, UEFA almost got canceled. I I love that. <laughs> As a I've never seen a whole organ a FIFA. I've never seen the whole organization trying to get canceled. So um, that happened. Alessandro, thanks you all. You guys are the best and Forza Juve.
Forza Juve. Forza Juve. Forza Juve.